an amazing testimony that happened a couple months ago. Let me get my phone to turn around so I can read it. Um, this, was, this didn't happen to me. It's a healing testimony. It happened to somebody else, and they requested. They gave permission for us to read it for them. So um, they had COVID-19 was a reason for the pain. The pain started, which felt like breathing through broken glass um, in the lungs for eight days solid. The intense heart pain lasted for seven weeks. It was a level eight pain out of 10. Never went below a level four every day. Um, this person went through three x-rays that all revealed COVID-19 lungs, two ER admissions, three clinic appointments, three EKGs. Investigating further through an echocardiogram, a thorough ultrasound of the heart revealed that a primary heart valve was leaking. Um, they had had a previous minor heart issue and was on a small dose of medication for 25 years, but had had no pain. During worship at the 610 service, okay, this is on December the 20th, healing was taking place even with arms raised for over an hour in worship. Then after the service, a couple prayed for them. And as they laid hands on them, it felt like a lightning bolt from heaven. And instantly the pain left. About three weeks later, um, the pain started to, to re try to return um, as they were shoveling snow. And so they reached out for more prayer and were prayed for again. And the pain has been gone ever since. And this is the best part. They went to back, so they have all these tests um, to show the damage to the heart. So um, a couple weeks ago, they went to a cardiologist and went through all the testing at Iowa Heart Clinic at Mercy Hospital on February the 2nd. The doctor told, uh, and they had this person do the, the running you know, on the treadmill um, to get their heart going as fast as possible so they could show, um, see, um, and I went too far, sorry. Um, and the doctor told this person then their heart was perfect. It's perfect. They're completely healed. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, after that, I don't know why we need to even have a message. Just worship, come to the Lord's table, have some story, testimony of the Lord's goodness, and call it a night. Um, I, I'm excited, though, to get to, to speak and to teach. And I think uh, as we've been just in a very, what feels very long season, I, I kind of I, the sense and the hope is that we're kind of moving uh, in kind of out of this past year, and I'm I'm really excited. Our staff, our team, are excited because I think there is so much good that lies ahead. Even though it's been you know a, a year of hard, a season of hard, uh, the Lord is always so good and so faithful. And tonight, what I, I want to talk about is hope, and I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about what this means for us as disciples, followers of Jesus, and, and really how do we keep moving forward and not get caught being stagnant with where we are at. And this, hope of, this idea of hope is so important. And uh, there was a movie that was put out in the uh, 1990s, uh, which dates me a little bit. So it was, you know, the 90s. 
I think were really great for a lot of movies. The late 90s were really bad for music. And so, like, that was my college years. Um, But a really popular movie that my friends and I, that we watched regularly, was Shawshank Redemption. Who's seen that movie, Shawshank Redemption? Uh, A really wonderful movie. It's on AMC all the time. You can go watch it. Uh, but there's, there's a point uh, in this movie that happens, and to set up the context, Andy Dufresne has been uh, wrongly accused, and he is serving two life sentences for the murder of his wife. And so he is in prison, uh, and Andy is a really brilliant mind, a really brilliant thinker. And in uh, the middle of his, one of, in his sentence, uh, he has this kind of rebellious moment, and he's able to break in uh, to the office of the warden and get on the public address system, the sound system, and he begins to play Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. And the doors are locked, and he kind of just kicks up his feet, and it's blasting across, across the prison. And all the prisoners are kind of stopped in their tracks, but he, he has this moment. He closes his eyes, and you can tell he's going to a different place. He's having this moment. And because he did that, he gets put into solitary confinement for two weeks, and he finally gets out, and he's talking with his friends, and he says this. Afterwards, he tells his friends, it was totally worth it, the easiest time I've ever done. The song provided hope because the music was in me. And then Red, his best friend uh, in prison, he goes on to say this, and, and I think this is a little bit what we're feeling. Red says this to all of them that are gathered. He says, let me tell you something, Andy, my friend. Hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. It's got no use on the inside. You better get used to that idea. Red is telling Andy, Don't live with hope in here because there is no hope. And that's kind of the season we've kind of, I feel like that's the season we've been in where it's like, where is the hope that we need and long for in this? And even as followers of Jesus, I think sometimes it's actually easier just to be faithful to Jesus than to actually live with hope. And there is, there's a difference between the two that I can be faithful in my walk, but to actually have hope that the Lord wants to save my friends that don't know Jesus, wants to save my family, that I would live with hope that the Lord would heal, that the Lord would deliver, that the Lord would transform our cities. Can I actually live with hope or is that a dangerous thing? And tonight, what I hope to unpack for us and why I get so excited is that the reality is that we know There is so much hope in Jesus. For 400 years, the Lord had not spoken to the nation of Israel. And then Jesus, born in a manger, shows up on the scene and becomes our living hope. Jesus, our living hope, who would go to the cross, who would descend into hell. He would go back up into the heavens. He would come back to life. He would live in resurrection power. That is the hope of the gospel. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the gospel and really for this next year, and I think you're going to see this at a lot of different levels within our churches, we really are feeling this, the importance of upping our discipleship game, for lack of a better term, that what does it look like for us to be disciples? What does that mean? And for us to have a picture of what it means to be a disciple, we need to look at Jesus. And so we're going to, we're going to really try to unpack, and we're going to, we're going to I don't know if this is the right phrase, but we're going to say, we're going to call it doing the stuff. 
Like as followers of Jesus, as his disciples, we are invited to do the stuff. And what do I mean by that? The stuff that Jesus did. Because what Jesus did, the message that he brought, what he taught and the things, uh, the people he was encountering, it brought hope where there was so much hopelessness. And we are living in a culture that needs the hope of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, so I need a little bit of help because if we're going to talk about the hope of the gospel, I kind of feel like without... I could really probably get myself into trouble. So I'm going to try not to do this. We kind of need to re, we need to deconstruct what the gospel means. And we need to reconstruct it. And when you study different people and philosophies on what does the gospel mean and how is the gospel defined, I would say we have left it, we've left some pieces out of the gospel message. Okay? So this, I don't want to get into semantics here, but I really, if anything, I want to broaden what does it mean to bring the gospel of Christ. We've used this word all throughout our Christian lives. It's a Christianese word. And so I want us to help define the gospel. And really to define the gospel, you just need to ask, what is the message of Jesus and what are the things that Jesus did? Because that lays the foundation of the gospel. And the gospel is the hope to which we are to bring to the world. So I need your help in this. Um, And I'm gonna ask this simple question. What was the message and mission of Jesus? So with you guys helping me, and if you have a parable, a story to kind of go along with it that helps bring some context, the short, a short version, but like, what is the message and mission of Jesus? And there, this isn't like trick question either, okay? Like most of us are gonna, we're gonna know these. So give them to me. The message and mission of Jesus. Love one another. So to love one another. Love God, love others. The kingdom is near. Bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus knows us intimately. He wants relationship with his people. I came to save. Keep coming. There's more of them. There's a better way. On earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus comes and says, I love you. Jesus has authority to be humble and servant hearted. What else? Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father to his creation, to his sons and daughters. Jesus came to define and really establish that we are co-heirs with Christ. What else? Part of Jesus' message was to repent, to actually turn away from our sinfulness and turn towards God. That sin doesn't ultimately win. We're never too far gone from the love of Christ. We cast our cares upon Jesus. 
It took us that long to get to heal the sick. The whole New Testament is full of people healing. He came to heal the sick. He came to cast out demons. He came to heal those that were mentally troubled, spiritually troubled. Jesus comes to set captives free. So all of these things, those, that is the gospel message. So we're going to use three words to kind of help us with this. And I, I borrowed this from a book, uh, and I don't remember the title. What's the title? <laughs> Longing for Revival. Thank you. Uh, and these three words uh, that we're going to use to kind of use as a context is that the gospel message is one of word. And unfortunately, this is where I think most of the hang-up for me is, is that when we talk about the gospel, it is mostly about the proclamation, about the spoken word of God, that it is we need a savior, that we need to repent, that Jesus is the way, which that is a great thing. But to me, it is just one part of the gospel message. So we have the spoken word. We also have deed. Jesus came to break off chains, chains of injustice, He came to change society, to change culture. So there is actually a working out in deed, in action. And then Jesus comes with power. He heals the sick. He raises the dead. So these three things really, to me, encompass the gospel message. Jesus comes in word. Jesus comes in deed. And Jesus comes in power. So everybody, we on on the same track here? Okay, so though, here's what I want to speak into, though, a little bit. So these three things are really important, but as I was thinking about these things, uh, we have this phrase, Kevin has used this a lot, that we talk about word and spirit. So he says, if we're all word and no spirit, we dry up. If we're all spirit and no word, we burn up. But if we're word and spirit, we grow up. Well, I think there's some things around word, deed, and power that can also be said. Because I think this, that if we are an all-word people, that we are just proclaiming, we are saying, we are speaking the gospel, and we are not doing it with love and a servant-hearted attitude, if we're not doing it in deed, if we're not doing it in power, that actually what happens is people become projects for us. They become a problem for us to fix. And so if I say the right words and I speak the right words, then maybe we can fix you. Because deed and power have to come together because we need the power, we need the healing power of God to come and heal our spiritual reality, our emotional, our mental realities. We need to be a people who are serving and loving and being connected with people in relationships. We can't separate word from deed and power. But if we have all deeds without word and power, what happens is we actually can lead people better physically in their realities, but their souls are never saved. And I actually believe this, is that we can actually love people into hell. What do I mean by that? Is that we can actually do so many things, but then if we actually never share the good news of Jesus, they're not any better off. And then the last one, we can have power, but if we don't have words and deeds, it really actually can do the same thing, that we don't meet the spiritual needs and the physical needs of people because we just become obsessed with seeing people get healed. Again, almost like people become these projects. But yet Jesus moved with compassion. He does all three of these things. And so Jesus is ultimately our great rabbi. If we would use Jewish terminology, uh, Jesus is our rabbi, and we are called as his disciples. And so here's the question. 
what should disciples of Jesus look like? Think about all the things we threw out in the group. You guys did it. You guys said them. If we are called to be like Jesus, should we do or not do the same things that Jesus did? I think the assumption can be made is that actually we are called to walk and do the things that Jesus did, that we proclaim the gospel, that we speak forth the word. And in the coming months, we're going to talk about actually what that means because we're moving to a time in culture, in post-Christendom, that the things we speak have to really be thought out really well. We're not really great right now with our words. So we're going to talk about that in the coming, coming months. But then we also need deed that Jesus comes to, uh, to really serve the brokenhearted. In justice, he comes. He wants racial justice. Those who are in the sex trafficking and in all that kinds of slavery, Jesus longs for justice. It's, it's at his heart. And Jesus comes to heal. He comes to cast out demons. He comes to raise the dead. And so for us, that really is the invitation that we as his disciples would go and that we would do those things. And that gets me excited uh, and at the same time really scared. Because if I am really honest with you, I'm not doing those things very well. And what we can get caught up in in this Christian faith and this Christian walk, uh, we can get caught up in so trying to transform ourselves and we get really tunnel vision, we get narrow-minded that we're never actually seeing the world around us. And so we never actually bring the good news that Jesus brought. So turn in your Bibles. So I want to pack this again a little bit more using some scripture. Turn to Luke 4. Luke 4, and this is Jesus' really mission statement. And I want to drive this home in us. We know this so well because this comes from Isaiah 61. And so Luke 4, and on Wednesday night at our Ash Wednesday service, Allie Cranmer, one of our commissioned pastors, did a wonderful job of unpacking the wilderness season that Jesus went through when he was tempted. And so Jesus has come, in, he has come out of the wilderness And this is one of his first sermons, okay? So we're going to start in chapter 4, verse 14. So Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. As he stood up to read, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. And in my NIV, but what you have a newer NIV translation up there, my NIV says to preach good news to the poor. And the proper translation is to proclaim good news or to share the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, your hope has come. So all three things are seen in the scripture. Word, the sharing of the good news, deed, 
of breaking off chains that bind and of power of seeing miraculous things happen. Word, deed, and power. This is Jesus' mission statement. And as his followers, as his disciples, it becomes our mission statement. And this is, again, me being honest. What I can fall into is I want to be a student of Jesus. I want to study Jesus. I want to know about Jesus. I want to get in and I want to, you know, do all this stuff. But do I really want to be a disciple of Jesus? Because the disciples, they did the stuff with him. We see this. This is the count of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You get into the book of Acts and you keep reading the disciples did the stuff, and it was part of what Jesus did. Jesus like, okay, you guys are going to hang out with me. I'm going to show you some things, and then guess what? Oh, you're going to take 10 or 20 years, and you're going to study the word, and you're going to get your life straightened out, and then you can come and do the stuff. No, Jesus takes this ragtag, and they are a ragtag group of men, young men, and he says, here, I do it, now you go do it. Go do it. And so in Matthew 10, Jesus sends out the 12. They go out, they do it, and they come back. And they're amazed because they do this stuff and it actually happens. And for them, that is a pivotal moment. And in their teaching and in their learning that Jesus has given them authority to do the same things that he did. Do you know that we have that same authority? We have that same authority. Now, I know there's some doctrine out there that gets a little bit off on this that says some of this stuff doesn't happen anymore and that this is all about just the proclamation of the word of God. No, we have authority to both proclaim, but to act and to move in power through the Holy Spirit. So uh, let's keep going here. Um, So, you know, again, part of this is also understanding and understanding our call or our commission as Jesus' disciples, you know, because some would say, well, well, Mike, where, where does he, you know, does Jesus ever tell us that we're supposed to be disciples or like what we're supposed to do? And, you know, it's pretty simple. We know, I think, yes, we'd all agree with this. But Matthew 28, I want to read these because I think they're important because I think we forget this. We forget this. So Matthew 28, and I'm going to read verses 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountaintop where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some still doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very ends of the age." If you turn to Luke 16, right before Jesus is going up into heaven, Jesus says this, go into all the world and preach the good news. And that word again should be share the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in me. So those who become my disciples, these things should be evident in their lives. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. So Jesus does these things. Acts 4, 
read one little chunk of scripture here. And this is the, the disciples doing what their rabbi, what their teacher taught them to do. So Acts 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they came up to Peter and John. And while they were, while they were speaking to the people, they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter. They seized John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And then Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter Again, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to them, rulers, elders of the people, if we are being called on to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how we are and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. So Peter and John are on trial for doing good. They have healed a man. And then in verse 12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And this is the verse that I want us to focus on. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, they were ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. These men had been with Jesus, and now they're doing what their rabbi instructed them to do. Go preach the good news. Share the good news. Go heal the sick. Go break off chains of injustice. And this is the hope of the gospel. In its really simplest form, the ways we can overcomplicate things in the Christian world, like at its simplest form, we're just called to go share the good news. Share the good news of who Jesus is. Pray for the sick. Break off chains of injustice. Do the things that our rabbi, our teacher, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is teaching us to do. And so I'm asking myself, okay, Mike, what does this mean? What does this look like? And not to just be a student, I could be a really great student and a really bad disciple. And so I'm saying, Lord, would you come? Would you stir in my heart? Would you give me your heart of compassion and love that I would see people differently, that I would see the world differently, that I wouldn't get in this tunnel vision, uh, kind of blinded to what is going on around us? And why I'm so excited is that, you know, we're moving out of this season, and I think as we move into a post-Christian world that we're really already living in, um, we've got to get back to this. So I love gathering. I love doing this. Like, we could do this every night. It'd be awesome. But we're moving into a time when this isn't saving the world. And I, that, I was talking about the Isaiah 61, talking about the changing from sharing to preach. And I think what we have done, and I've done this, is we have assumed that this person up here 
pastor, Pastor Kevin, and the pastors we have here, like it's their job to preach the good news. And then it's just kind of our job to sit on the sidelines and be good students. And when you look at that verse, it really says, share the good news that we are called to share. Share what has been given to us. Share what the Lord has done for us. Share that with others. Don't hold it back. This, it's not this person's responsibility. And we're moving into a time when, two times, I do believe there's a time when people are gonna start running to church again. Like, I do believe that. But I think it is gonna be as a response because of how we have responded outside of these four walls. And so as we, as disciples, begin to share the good news of who Jesus is, when we get courageous and bold to pray for somebody who needs healing, when we will stand for injustice and we will do it with a heart of kindness, like the world will take notice. Like I read in Acts, I want people to say, man, I take note because that person's been with Jesus. I'm taking note because there's something in them that is not of this world, not of this world. Um, back in the, the 80s, the, the Berlin Wall fell down, and I was over in the chapel right next door here, and I was listening to a talk, uh, and it was over video, and I don't even remember who the person was, but this person was talking about kind of how followers of Jesus are called to strategically be ready for important moments in history. And she used the Great Wall, the Great Wall, excuse me, the Berlin Wall, very, two very different walls, uh, the Berlin Wall to make her point. And she said that back when the Berlin Wall came down and Germany was opened back up, communism was crumbling, it was very interesting to watch the social, really religious uh, act that was taking place because she said what happened was is it was known that the Berlin Wall was going to come down. You could see it. It was getting to that point and that, that the nation was going to open up. And she said what was so disappointing is that the church was not ready to go in with the good news of Jesus. And they, we missed an opportunity in history. And she went on to say, but there was a religious group who was ready and it was the Muslim group. And actually right now, Germany has a high percentage of Muslims in it. And what I believe is that as we come out of this season and as we move into seasons, whatever they're gonna be, is will we be strategically ready as followers of Jesus, as his disciples to say, okay, Lord, my eyes are open to where you want me to bring your kingdom that I will go wherever it is that you're calling. And for most of us, that's gonna be just to our neighbors. That's gonna be to somebody down the street. It's gonna be somebody in our community. But will we as followers of Jesus share the good news? Will we act and respond? Will we move in power? And as the worship team comes up, a couple of final thoughts is I, I do believe that where we are going in the culture is that these three things, and this is why we're gonna keep saying word and spirit, they've gotta to come together. That the church needs to be moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're moving into a time when the things we say are landing on deaf ears. 
But people's ears perk up when you start laying your hands on the sick and all of a sudden cancer is gone. When you lay your hands on deaf ears and they're opened up. When we act in a servant-hearted fashion, when we go to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our cities, people start paying attention with their eyes. And then that opens the opportunity for us to proclaim the good news of who Jesus is. And so these are a couple things to respond. How do we respond in this? And we're going to keep unpacking this in the coming months, so we're going to break it down even further. The invitation would be during Lent, would you ask Jesus to ignite the joy of your salvation that's in him? I've been praying this because a lot of times I'm probably not very willing, I'm not willing to share because I'm like, oh, I take for granted what Jesus has done for me. I've done this a long time. I've done this for a long time. So I'm saying, Lord, would you ignite in me the joy of your salvation? Would you be mindful to be present with Jesus and with others? So I'm trying throughout my day to be in constant communion with the Lord, saying, Lord, how are you moving? What are you doing in this situation, in this meeting as I interact? How am I supposed to respond? And then would I be present to others? We got to ask for a heart like Jesus, a heart for the lost, a heart for the broken, a heart for the hurting. And we've just got to take simple steps of faith. That's what the disciples did. Simple steps of faith to hear where the Lord was leading. Say, yes, Lord, I have something really good to share with this person, and I'm going to step in. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to step in. I'm going to bless. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to serve so that the gospel, the full message of the gospel can be revealed in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, our schools, and in our cities. And, you know, we've, we've heard this. We know we're supposed to do these things. We, we do. And so this is where we got to say, Holy Spirit, because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes, and like the early church, he gives courage. He gives boldness. He gives power. And so let's just, let's spend a little time here. Holy Spirit. We need your courage. We need your boldness. Lord, we thank you that you use imperfect vessels. Simple jars of clay, you mold us and you shape us. And like your disciples, Lord, we're not, we don't need to be at a certain place to to partner with you. And so come, Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see where you are at work. In our schools, in our places of work, in our neighborhoods, in our own families. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. And this world desperately needs you. You are the hope of the world, Jesus. And so would we not hold back from sharing the good news of who you are? We want to be your disciples and not just your students. This is your 
assignments uh, before we come back next month is I would encourage you, not as a student, as a disciple, to read through Isaiah 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, and then pick your gospel of choice. And just simply ask, Rabbi Jesus, would you teach me, would you show me where you are working in word, in deed, and in power, and how you long for that to play out in my life? What does that look like for me? It's a simple prayer, Lord, reveal what that looks like for me. So again, Isaiah 57, 58, 59, 60, 61, they're very important. But then pick your gospel of choice and just say, Jesus, make me more like you. Would you create opportunities for me to share the good news of Jesus? So we're gonna keep unpacking this in the months. We're gonna try to be very practical on how this looks and how this plays out. So as you go, would you go with this blessing? Would you know the extravagant love of our good, good Father? Would you know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Would you know the peace and the presence the Holy Spirit as you go throughout this week. So go as followers of Jesus, as his disciples. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming out.